producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. I'm Mads and Angela. I'm just beginning to see if you are able to help me out. I um, I cooked dinner last night. This happened a lot. I cooked dinner last night and all of a sudden my 15-year-old doesn't eat like anything that I cook. Mean nature. Hi there, I am Madeline West. I'm a mum of six. Yes, I have quite the catastrophe of children. That's my own collective noun, so consider it trademarked. I thought that I had childhood well and truly covered. I thought I understood what kids were all about. But then they turned into teenagers. They're still our babies, but teenagers... They can be downright mean. Now, I don't have the answers. I don't pretend to. Tell you what, I've got plenty of questions, though. So I've brought with me my brilliant friend, who, aside from being a mum herself and an all-round top chick, is also a psychologist and school counsellor, Angela Murray. Hi, Madeline. Feeling a little bit nervous about talking about teenagers to the parents because I'm so used to talking to the teenagers. So let's dive right in. Uh, hi, I'm Meg from WA and my question is really about what to do about my teenager who's just a bit of a bitch really uh, and it's a terrible thing to say but she's actually just really quite mean to me and um, I, yeah, sometimes she can just say really hurtful things and she's just, um, yeah, quite mean and I just, um, apart from getting hurt and sometimes reacting I just I don't know what to do about it so if you got any advice on that um that would be much appreciated thank you why are teenagers so mean what happens is it biochemistry is it physicality or do they just hate us it's probably a bit of everything really (laughs) it's a mixed bag I can't say they don't hate you in some moments I can't say I didn't hate my parents when I was a teenager yeah and I think it's perfectly normal and okay for them to be complete jerks sometimes. So what does it come from? Is it purely a reaction to puberty? Is it, is it a chemical thing? Is it an attempt to assert who they are in the world? Why do they turn from being our cute and cuddly, loving little babies into these wild, slightly smelly, very, very militant monsters? I guess there's a few answers to that. So one is that it's developmentally appropriate. They are born children and adolescence is a transition time between childhood and adulthood. Mm -hmm. If they don't change, we end up with adult children. And there's quite a few out there. I think I've dated some of those myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite possible. But, you know, when they're kids, what we're wishing is, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till they can do this for themselves. And then when they start to try doing things for themselves, we're like, oh, my gosh, I need to make sure they know how to do it properly. And that's where we tend to helicopter them and think for them Mm -hmm. and wrap them in cotton wool. And the job of a teenager is to become a person separate to the family, separate to what we believe and what we think, their own person. And it's really natural for them to rebel. They have to push back. 
because otherwise they can't create enough space to figure out who they are. So if your teen is being mean to you and we've all faced the, I hate you, you don't understand me, just leave me alone, (laughs) what's the best way to deal with the situation without alienating them? Well, first it's kind of just not hear the words. Okay. Yeah? It's sort of not taking it on as this is about me. Like you'd like to visualise it on a tennis court. You're on one side, your adolescent is on the other, and you're looking over and what they're doing is they're jumping around, they're yelling and they're screaming and they're saying awful things. And that represents what's happening in their world. It doesn't represent who you are as a mother or what they actually even think of you. It represents how overwhelmed they're feeling or that they're having challenges making decisions about some things, that they're feeling lost or that they're tired or that they're anxious. It could be a range of things. But what it isn't saying is that they hate you and they wish you weren't their mother. So you're saying that because when they're kids, we own the whole tennis court. We've got the whole tennis court covered that when they become teenagers, we need to accept that they're on their side of the court, we're on our side of the court and open the lines of communication. So, my gosh, how's that metaphor? So that we can continue playing with each other harmoniously. Yeah. Well, it isn't actually. Like even when they're kids, they have their own side. Their feelings aren't representative that we're a bad mum or they don't like us. But some reason when they're small, we can accept that. But then when they become adolescents, we have this expectation that they're just going to turn into an adult overnight Mm. and be capable of expressing themselves in an adult-type manner. So what's the best way to communicate with your teen when they're abrasive and negative and basically implying with every gesture that they hate you (laughs) with every bone in their body? (laughs) Every single bone. I know the face, I know the words, and it does, it hurts, and it is so hard what I'm about to say. But it's to watch them and to see that they're suffering, yeah, that they're struggling and that they're growing and to stay out of the content, which is the words, which is all the nonsense, which is the cutting remarks, which is the attitude, which is the flicking the hair, the crashing the doors, and to come back to the feeling. And they're suffering. So what they want you to do is to be with them in that, which is the definition of compassion. They want compassion. They want, don't want you to be their friend. They don't want you to fix it. They want you just to be there with them in their feeling and to know you're there. So it's to say to them, oh, wow, that looks really big or you look overwhelmed. And they'll be like, I hate you, mum. It's like I get that you're having a really big feeling. I'm here if you want to talk. But other than that, it looks like you just want to be alone in your room. Let me know if it's different. Just letting them express without it being dangerous. We do have a whole adult population that are, you know, shy and dismissive of feelings because that's what's happened to them through their lives. Then we all have to go to therapy and figure out how to get back in touch with our feelings so that we can actually get our needs met. So it would be really nice for our adolescents if they could actually learn that feelings are safe. And you're allowed to express them. Yeah, and they come and they peak and they pass. And if we can learn that as parents that the feeling will start and it's like a wave. It'll come, it'll peak, and then it will pass. Rather than thinking that I have to make it go away or I have to alleviate this, I need to fix it, or this is bad, it's a feeling. It just is. But let them know you're there. If you go back to when they were children and 
you know, you coddled them and you had them with you and they'd crawl off as they got bigger and then they'd hurt themselves by smacking into a doorway. They'd come back to you and you would cuddle them and say, I love you. And it's like your adolescent. They go off, they get drunk, they vomit at a party and come home and you find out about it. But we yell at them. We expect them to know better. (laughs) We expect them to know better. Of course we do. Mm Because I guess... As a parent, you're looking at a child, you want, want to give them some adult freedoms, but then if they abuse that or abuse themselves or put themselves in danger, our fear response tells us, well, we need to correct them. We need to pull them up and castigate them for what they did wrong. But what are you saying, that we should actually just hold them and hold space for them? Well, you've totally nailed it, Madeline. What we're doing when we dump that is actually dumping our own discomfort or trying to remove our own discomfort by dumping it on our child. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling uncomfortable. We're making up stories that our teen's going to be some terrible adult and that we have to fix them now before, or they're going to be an embarrassing adult. Well, that's, I remember getting the advice once, talking about my own teens, when they're venting and being aggressive and screaming at you, that they're doing that because they feel it's safe to display that kind of behaviour. They're relying on your unconditional love to allow them to express how they feel. But as a parent, you're thinking, if this is how they're acting with me, this is how they're going to interact with the rest of the world. Is that wrong? Because I remember having that fear myself that I need to pull her up, I need to correct her. Subconsciously, it's not a conscious thing that I'm going to do this and I need mum to be my safety mat. It's below that level of conscious... Like, it is. It does exist for them, but it's not in their conscious mind. But it's that's coming back to the baby with the door frame. It's like... They know when they come back that they've always been held. So they know they can do it. But if we change the behaviour and stop the holding, they stop coming back. And the most, we talked about the car accidents, we can talk about drugs, we can talk about alcohol, we can talk about sex, we can talk about all those things. The biggest protective factor is them coming back to us and talking to us openly. Is there any value in sharing with your teen how their behaviour makes you feel? Rather than reacting and saying the way you're acting now is wrong and it's inappropriate behaviour, it's unacceptable, just saying it's making... Because I find myself sometimes on the edge of tears and I'm like, you know, the bottom lip is trembling while I'm going, I'm just going to have a cup of tea. Um, How do you... (laughs) How do you communicate how you are feeling without them feeling judged? Comment on the Mm behaviour. Make it a specific behaviour, something that's specific and observable with no judgement. When you say and then repeat verbatim verbatim, what they said to you, I feel. But if you're going to do that about the negative stuff, you have to do it about the positive. So positive reinforcement because we're very good at focusing on what someone does wrong and not praising what they do right. That's all we see. So it's not all we see, but it's all that lands and what we store. So then if we're going to be able to say, when you call me a stupid woman... I feel hurt and I believe that you don't res- dis- I and I believe that you don't respect me. Mm. I also have to be able to say when you washed up the dishes without me asking I felt happy and I felt supported and I had the thought that you actually really care about me and the family. And I want to say on that that you never miss a moment. You might be lying in bed that night. And have that thought and be like, oh, I wish I'd said that. Say it the next day when you wake up. Say, I was laying in bed last night 
I really remembered that you'd washed the dishes. I had the thought that you did that. And I just wanted to let you know how grateful I was and how lovely it felt when you did that. On that note, I'm going to throw a little suggestion here as we wrap this up. And it's something I want to start doing with my teenage daughter. Positive affirmation journal. In that I'd really like to start, I've been thinking about it for a while, I'd like to start a notebook where, like you said, you recall something or at the end of the day go, what's one thing that made me feel proud or happy or seen or loved by my child and note it down and then leave it somewhere for her or him to discover. And then when they feel the same way about you, sharing a positive affirmation back. So the dialogue doesn't always need to be about what what you're doing wrong. I think it's a beautiful idea. But I also think we could do a little bit of a shift because the adolescent's growth isn't about the parent. So it's not what I'm proud of what they did to me. It's not when I felt loved. It's when I saw them in the world as an amazing human. When I saw them make a choice, I thought, wow, that's a really great choice. Yeah, because they're shifting their focus from me. They're shifting it from you. They're shifting it from their parent to the outside world because that's where they're going. So it's noticing them in the world with their friends, at school, in their workplace. And it's remembering that the 10% of the meanager that we see at home is 10%. And that 90% of that beautiful child is functioning in the world beyond our wildest dreams. Join us next Monday for more meanagers. Follow us on Instagram and send us your questions for discussion. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.